Welcome to Time to Adapt, where we break down movies and the books behind them. As always, I'm Max Schaefer, and I'm with... Me, Selena. <laughs> the one and only. Uh, today, well, since it's almost Christmas, we decided to do something Christmas-themed. So what is that, Mac? Well, we figured we might as well go all the way back to the origins, the the granddaddy, the big one, <laughs> the, the one that, the <laughs> one that our entire, the entire European idea and culture of Christmas really came from. Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, published in, in 1846. <laughs> Yarp. So, um, yeah. So there are so many adaptations of this book that today we'll only really talk about like three major ones, but we'll try and list as many of the adaptations that which are of note and what we like which would be good ones to check out okay before we go on i have to mention i said 1846 i meant 1843 back to you okay so for those who don't really know the story of the christmas carol so the synopsis of the story um it focuses on the character of this miserly mean-spirited old man named ebenezer scrooge it begins on christmas eve's and it shows him rejecting like holiday cheer from like people that he passes. And then um, lo- later that night when he returns to his apartment, he gets a visit from his dead old business partner, Jacob Marley, who tells Scrooge that as a punishment for his greed and his spirit, um, <coughs> that for his greed, his spirit has been condemned to wander the earth weighed down by heavy chains. Marley hopes that by telling Scrooge this, he can save him from a similar fate because Scrooge is such an awful human being um he adds that three spirits will visit him throughout the course of the night then Scrooge is visited by the ghost of Christmas past present and the ghost of Christmas yet to come throughout the night each ghost gives Scrooge a chance to examine his character and the chance and he gives him the chance of redemption by the end of the novel, he realizes the importance of being kind, and he ends up like redeeming himself in a way. Yeah. So going on to kind of just some of the information on the book and Charles Dickens, Dickens himself, he was born February 7th, 1812. Uh, Charles Dickens was a famous Victorian novelist, journalist, editor, illustrator, <laughs> and social commenter. Um, and like for those... Like, he wrote classic novels. Oliver um, Twist, Nicholas Nickleby, David yeah. Copperfield, even Tale of Two Cities, which I have a... I, I Little hate Dorrit. That, I hate that book. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's this really good one that I liked that they did. And, well, we could talk about it another time, but, like, another another adaptation. The BBC did a lot of, like, um, Charles Dickens adaptations, which were pretty great. So um, he's, sort of the, he's sort of one of England's best imports, so... Through there, um, a lot of his novels, especially stuff like, <coughs> oh, excuse me, stuff like Oliver Twist and Nicholas Nickleby, all deal with portraits of the underclass of Victorian England. They all have uh, a lot of the characters are very, they're very, they can be very proper, they can be very disgusting and very much like of the lower sense of class because Dickens himself started off from the bottom and sort of worked his way up. And he's also not as uh, not as good of a person as we've been led to believe, but we can get into that some other time, I feel like. Um, 
in his career, he published about 15 novels and died after having a stroke on June 9th, 1870. So for Christmas Carol, like when he wrote that book, it was first published in London, 1843 by Chapman and Hall, the publishing. Um, the first edition was illustrated um, by a man named John Leach. The book was written during a time where the British were kind of exploring Christmas traditions from the past, such as carols and stuff like that. And then the new customs, such as uh, the Chris having the Christmas tree and like lighting the Christmas tree. A lot of it comes from the fact that England was just getting out of um, the reign of the Puritans. So the whole, um, the way, the, the, the fact that the Puri- under Puritan rule for the last like 200, 300 years in with about well, 200 years within English rule had a whole setup where they had a whole setup where like there was no no celebrating of holidays or anything like that like like that so as soon as Queen Victoria took the throne she made it a point to start exploring other Christmas traditions um, Dickens has he wrote about three Christmas stories prior to Christmas Christmas Prior to A Christmas Carol. Do you know which, which ones those were? Um, I can't remember off the top of my head when I was doing the research. They just uh, mentioned that he had written like smaller little uh, novels that were Christmas themed. Um, but this was his first like Christmas ghost story, The Christmas Carol. Um, so this was actually a huge success, Christmas Carol. When it fir- the first edition was published... It's sold out by Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of 1844, which was just a year after uh, it was first published, there had 13 editions had been released. <coughs> so that's pretty insane for her. Um, in 1849, he began doing public readings of the stories. Like he did a public reading. He did one. And then because it was so successful, he ended up doing 127 <laughs> performances um, throughout the course of the, like for the rest of his life um, up until like 1870 um, a Christmas Carol like it's been so popular that it's never been out of print it's been translated into several languages and it's been adapted to all forms of media it happens to also be the single biggest adaptation or most ad- adapted book in film history mm-hmm. there has been like not only in in, in uh, um, English, but there has been different versions of it all over the world, and it ranges in the about seventy to eighty different adaptations that are known. Yeah, and I when I compiled a list, that was just like mainly films. There've been TV movies. There's been shorts. <laughs> there's oh yes, been mini like it's. Uh, there's so many different types of adaptations. It'd be impossible to list them all. Um, but before <coughs> we get into all those adaptations, kind of. Um, I just wanted to know kind of what you thought of the book and how it was written. Um, well, I um, once again, I listened to the audiobook version. There's an Audible exclusive version that is narrated by Tim Curry, and it is it is fantastic. Because Tim Curry. It's Tim Curry. Always comes back to Tim Curry here. <laughs> but yes, it's wonderful. Um, it's really, I found when I first, I thought going into it, it was going to be kind of long and drawn out to how I'm kind of used to, like, Jane Eyre, or like those were earlier, but still like. There's a lot of development, and then the 
the story itself is pretty long and it, it's just like a long kind of slow pace like i love jane austen don't get me wrong but her books are boring as hell to read i'm just here for the adaptations i had to read pride and prejudice <laughs> yes I couldn't finish reading it. Anyways, we'll have to talk about that when we get to Jane Austen. But um, <laughs> for this, I was surprised about how fast the pacing was. It was like you got in the first chapter that he was already like seeing Marley's ghost. That was insane. I was expecting there to yeah. be like, and here's Scrooge's character of how awful he is. Like five chapters later, he meets Marley's ghost. Nope. And then I was like... Straight to it. Within the first 20 pages, I believe I was very is. appreciative of that. I was just like, this is really nice because <laughs> this is finals and I need to get the story <laughs> <in>. <laughs> Like, <laughs> Yes. Absolutely. Uh, and no, just the pacing was... It was fast-paced, but it wasn't like so fast that it was not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it was very visual. It was like, there's some books... Uh, I don't know, like how this one was written. I guess it was, oh, how we talked about it earlier. It's very cinematic. Like you could see it visually in a very cinematic way. Um, I would definitely, you're you're right there. Um, It's definitely, a lot of it has become ingrained in our culture regarding um, the words that are used. Like when we think of angry old men, they usually say, he's just a Scrooge. That's what he is. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have stuff like a lot of um, a lot of the, the the characters themselves are so, like the ideas are that that are given to you are so ingrained, as in in culture. Like the idea of the ghost of Christmas yet to come is definitely something that's terrifying. And um, well, a lot of the themes are still relevant now. Like that was yes. going to lead into my next kind of point is like how does it translate to a modern setting? And it does really well. Um, because a lot of the core themes of the book still resonate like around this time, but that's because the Christmas Carol <laughs> kind of set up this a new Christmas tradition of uh, just like how we view Christmas with yeah. the tree and then giving back and just being you know charitable. Um, but then it's also a time of uh, I guess looking in at, at yourself as a person and you know. And in this case, it's a story about redemption to a point. So, yes, it's very much. Um, <clears throat> if there's one thing this book is good at, it's showing that the only way to get old rich people to <laughs> to be to be generous is to scare them into it. But you, they have to have three, no four ghosts come and scare them. <laughs> they have to have their they have to have their old buddy being like, "Dude, you're gonna get haunted by three spirits." They weren't even friends. Like how he was described, it was just like, "Ah, oh, he stuck around. He was my partner. Yeah. He was my business partner. I didn't know much about him." Yeah. And he, yeah, he was very. He's a very cold person, and it's funny when he first sees. Uh, Marley's ghost he's like eh. <laughs> he literally treats it just like seeing a ghost that's has like chains all over him just as like, a hallucination eh. as yeah. a, he's like ah oh, this isn't real and he <laughs> well what's great about this is if you know anything about Charles Dickens a lot of his villains are just the most horrifying people known to mankind mm. Bill Sykes and Oliver Twist especially as it comes to mind but what's surprising is this is the first of Dickens books where after a while you really sympathize with Ebenezer you really sympathize the fact that you know he had a really rough childhood and the he he saw happiness in his money and that's 
how he managed to become so wicked and cruel was his constant love of money over human decency. <clears throat> and that's something that I don't think many books have ever done before. Really get really get in there with characters. Especially like from that time period cuz Dickens was yes. writing from a very specific like perspective. perspective. He was cuz he was someone who grew up really poor. Like uh his father went into the debting house um or the jail for debtors and then um he was working in all those factories, you know, before, way this is like way before child labor laws. So as a young wee lad <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so he's writing his perspective is very different for that time because in victorian society it's just very strict yes very strict they didn't seem like fun people i don't know they were no. probably they they probably overall they pr like the image seems very like stark and not very comfortable yes that's that's a better way of saying it they were probably fun in their own way just not in modern and not in a modern perspective. Yes, I totally agree with you there. But um, yeah, going back to, I believe, yeah, this this book does work <laughs> in a modern setting. Like it does translate well because the themes are so well portrayed in the book. It's not when people think of classic books, they're like, oh, that fancy old Englishy language. It's like, no, not really. Like, no, yeah, it's not like it's a different language. <laughs> like, yeah, sometimes it comes across boring, but like, it's it was it's simply written. Not in, like, it's, I don't know how to properly say it, but, like, it's written in a way where it, it keeps your attention, it's interesting enough, and it's, though I, I like the Bronte sisters and I, I appreciate their work, um, it's not written like that. No. Because that is more, I don't know, the Bronte sisters write very differently. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> So, and it's th so this book is more accessible. That's what I should say. Yes, indeed. So as we said before, this was the one of the most adapted books in the cinema. It's like a crazy amount. Like crazy the first amount. one, uh, I guess the the earliest surviving screen adaption is from 1901, and that one was called Scrooge or Marley's Ghost. Um, but it was a short British film. But that's just like crazy. Like 1901, they were just like, let's get it. Yep, yep, yep. And then there was obviously there was, um, there was a couple in like nineteen oh eight, nineteen ten, nineteen thirteen, nineteen fourteen. Um, the first feature length adaptation was nineteen sixteen's The Right to Be Happy, and it was directed by and starring noted silent film star Rupert Julian as Scrooge. A very uh, th as I understand that one is very good. And there's I think Kino has a edition somewhere mm. that they're that that. But you'd have to do some digging. You have to do some digging, that's for sure. So then there was um, a production in 
looks well on screen. So <clears throat> this was the first thing he was doing where it was um, very different from what he was normally doing. And lo and behold, it's incredible because of anything, his reactions all feel so real. You feel like he's very much... you. He, you forget about you forget, the actor and yep. just focus on the character. And it's insane, especially how he seems like he's just panicking over this thought that when he dies, like no one will remember him, no one's gonna care about him, nothing, nobody, nothing he ever, he never brought any real good to the world. But it's his redemption. It's him the next morning. That's one of the funniest things ever with him. Just like there's a bit where he like I must, I must, I must stand on my head, and he like. Stands on his head and his his nightgown goes up and his maid's like ah! <laughs> and it's oh it's so much fun and it's as um the critic A O Scott of the New York Times put it this is the best one ever made of the Dickens classic I definitely would be up there and believe that because it is it's wonderful because mm-hmm. for that like in 1951 they had not seen an adaptation like it yes. before. It's, I believe it is in the public domain now. However, uh, it was one of the films that, in the 1980s, Ted Turner had paid to get colorized. Huh. And the colorization... There was, a, there was a big controversy over the colorization of these films in the 1980s. Among the people, George Lucas was very much against it. However, um, it happens to... It, I think it kind of makes the movie better. There's a colorized version we used to grow up watching. And I think it very much has that a good feeling to it and a good... Um, the colors look they look real it feels not like a um like like just paint it looks real it looks like it was actually shot in color so then we have the 1970 scrooge i don't like this version <laughs> i don't like it at all i think i've not it's, seen that one it's i think it's <laughs> i love albert finney i love alec guinness i hate this movie <laughs> I had to watch it when I was working at a thrift store every every Christmas. My my boss is a big fan of it. I think it's pathetic, dull. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a musical adaptation. Yes. Uh, so just take that in mind. It like, and not Muppet, like not at, Mupp- not yeah. Muppet. We're, we're going to get like, there in a second. Yeah, yes. This is just playing old humans dancing around and singing. It's like two hours but- long. It feels like four hours. <laughs> And there's this song that like got kind of popular over a commercial a couple years ago. Thank you very much. Thank you, daddy, much. That's the nicest thing. Anyway, it's fucking <laughs> stupid. I hate it. Anyway, moving on. We got, in 1983, Disney threw their hat in and made Mickey's Christmas Carol. It was a featurette film for this one. Yes. But it like had... Um, the famous Walt Disney characters with, and then they had Scrooge McDuck as Scrooge because perfect. Be, yeah. you, his name is Scrooge to begin with. Like, oh yeah. It's not like he was named after the character at all. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, that's another good one. Music's very good. I had a VHS tape of it when I was a kid. Wonderful stuff. Cause and it's Disney. And it's funny. It's, yep. It's, it's, Disney. you know, there was, a version in 1984 with George C. Scott. That's another really well-known one. I think it's pretty good. Um, it's definitely the cinematography is really good in this one. However, um, this was back. This was around when George C. Scott was in his he in his kind of his his diamond years. He was he was getting very old, and he was doing a lot of projects that he wouldn't normally would have done. But it works. 
it works quite well in this one. Um, but in 1988, there was Scrooge, starring Bill Murray, and it was a the first of the modernizations. It it's a very much a 80s Christmas Carol. Um, <laughs> it's really funny. Um, it's got Bill Murray. I mean, it's Bill Murray. <laughs> it's Bill Murray. <laughs> um, there's also um, Bobcat Goldthwait's in it, and he's hilarious, and um, Karen Allen. And there's a couple others, and they're all wonderful. Oh, yeah, Robert Mitchum's in it. It was one of his uh, later films. Mm-hmm. Um, music by Danny Elfman. It's all very wonderful. Um, but we got to talk about the big one. Most kids who were my age, way back, you know, from the 90s. <laughs> you were a 90s child. 1992. Um, actually, it came out exactly 25 years ago last week. Muppet Christmas Carol. Starring... See, I'm one of those weird kids that didn't grow up with this, so I had to watch it as an adult. You heathen. Well, I'm blame kidding. it on my parents. <laughs> I was only allowed to watch the History Channel, Animal Planet, and PBS. So our parents were fine with me seeing animals being killed, uh, but like murdering each other. Well, they weren't murdering each other because it's survival, but they were fine Nature. with that. But that they explains were like, a lot. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So for a lot of like, when people are like, oh, that's so 90s. It's like, I kind of missed out on all that. But, you know, ah. it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so, the Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> so this was one of um, the last projects that Jim Henson was working on before he died. Um, it, he was only ever in it for, like, the pre-production. So Yeah, we'll get into this more later because that's one of the big three that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about this one, um, A Christmas Carol, the 1999. Uh, it was a TV movie with uh, – Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart, uh, which is another one on the list. Oh, before, like, we'll just kind of give you the rest of, like, those lists that we compiled of some of the adaptations. Um, There was an animated version in 1997 featuring the voices of Tim Curry. And then they had other, the other actors who voiced it would be, were Whoopi Goldberg, Michael York, and Ed. I haven't watched that one, Ed Asner, but... um, Tim Curry. I was like, that's notable. The, the animation is <laughs> not that great, but the voice is fine. I mean, the voice cast makes makes it pretty good. Um, another one that's interesting that actually Mac brought up to me when we were doing some of the research for this is a version in 2001, A Christmas Carol the Movie. It was an adam- animated adaptation with uh, Kate Winslet and Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage is Jacob Marley. It is the funniest shit I've ever it listened is. to. It is. It is. His. Scrooge. <laughs> I'm going to take your face off. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that, but no, it's no. Nicolas Cage trying to be a scary, a ghost. scary ghost, but it's his voice. Yeah. He can't do scary ghosts. No, he can't. So for those who are interested, look up on YouTube. Nicholas Cage, like Marley, Marley's ghost, and you'll find a funny clip. <laughs> oh boy, yes. So and then we have the most recent version, um, 2009's A Christmas Carol. If we're not counting the movie that recently just came out, The Man Who Invented Christmas, yes, we can get into that. Um, but that that's an interesting. We'll talk a bit about if that's really an adaptation or not. Yes. Um. But so yeah. Um. So. This one used performance capture, and it was written and directed by Robert Zemeckis. 
um, starred Jim Carrey as not just Scrooge, he was also the Ghost of Christmas Past, Present, and Future. And it's... One man show. (laughs) It's a one man show, basically. Uh, There's also Gary Oldman and Bob Hoskins are in it. Mm. Um, I believe Carrie Elwes as well. But it's it's very sweet, and it's a very it's a it's not. Some of the um, stuff is dated. The uh, especially it's because it's mocap. It's very um, some of the eyes look kind of dead, and some of it the animation, which we'll talk a bit about uh, later, kind of when we break really break it down. If well, I guess we could just do that now. We'll go backwards. We'll start with that one. Talk about Patrick Stewart mm-hmm. and then the Muppet. Go back to the Muppets, yes. but. Uh, yeah, so back to the 2009 um, A Christmas Carol. Looking at it now uh, with – because there's been such, like, these big advancements in, like, motion capture. Like, this compared to, like, what Tintin looked like. Like, even though they're not far apart. About two years. About yeah. two years. Like, there is a notable difference in how they look. Um, it Some of the animation hasn't really aged that well just um but the story overall like i i feel like you can kind of get past some of that because it is the christmas carol in general is an engaging story it's everyone loves a good ghost story but it's christmas themed so yes and the ghosts themselves are so interesting and dynamic like um excuse me the ghost of christmas present um He's, I don't know, he's interesting, especially with how he's has greed and what, oh my gosh. Well, that was in the book, too. Yeah, no, but just like it, the change. Greed and want. Greed and want, which are two children that like latch onto his legs. And in the, it's creepy in the book, but it's creepy to see it visually. Um, And I remember when I first saw uh, the 2009 version, I watched it in theaters that freaked me out. I was just like, that's just uncomfortable and I'm not about that. Two creepy looking kids who are like fang teeth. <laughs> I'd say it wasn't even that. I'd say it was the death of the ghost of Christmas present that was just the weirdest. Oh yeah. Um there's just like every time every time the bell sh- every time the bell strikes, he like it hits his heart and he's just like <laughs> doing this thing. And he dies laughing. He dies laughing as a skeleton, and it's with with it's like a skeleton with eyes and eyelashes. Like, <laughs> like it, it's just like Whoa. it's that's, just weird. that's not right. That's not right. So it it doesn't really hold up by animation wise. Like the motion no. capture for like that's an interesting way to go about it. Um, it it looked different than previous animations, but. Uh, that and, <laughs> that's kind of how I'm feeling about and, it. I'm like, uh. <laughs> that and because of a lot of Zemeckis was really trying to do like some interesting stuff with mocap, but it just comes off as um, over the top and pointless. There's Especially, a weird scene where he's like flying around London and just yeah, and it all is like, oh, we're just extra. doing yeah, <laughs> it's extra. And it was obvious they're doing it to show the mo um, what, what they can do with mocap, and it's cool. Don't get me wrong, but. I remember watching in theaters. I was like, it was 3D too. Oof. So I was just like, hooey, this is this is exciting. Yeah. And now that I've like looked back at it, I'm like, eh. But is it as like 
there is some really good things about it. Like for one, I kind of like how um, there in the book there's a line, and it's a line that the Ghost of Christmas Present does, and the line is very much um, a jab at organized religion, and it's the line about like there are some who think who say that they know me by my name, and use and the, and use my name with the name of greed and evil mm-hmm. and that's all it is in the book but in the in this movie is um the camera kind of zooms in on these these so-called men of the cloth are estranged to me and my brothers and that's definitely like ooh <laughs> try and get dickens, political in on this uh, dickens was getting dickens was getting political but like this one kind of spelled it out a little bit more and i i did i didn't notice it i feel like in the he does and the book he leaves it a tad open end, so you could insert lots of things. Lots of things like the big power over. Yeah. So that and um. But yeah, just in the movie, they're like, "Yep, yeah, we're just gonna slide this one into this children's film." <laughs> Definitely. And the other bit that I think is really amazing, it's the sequence where the Ghost of Christmas Future shows, um, the Cratchits as Tiny Tim withers away. And there's the one bit I think it's just fantastic, and it's where um, Scrooge is at an angle on a staircase, mm-hmm. and at one moment, it's the moment after um, Crutchit walks through the door, and it's uh, it's implied that Tim is dead, and you can see the um, they have it so Crutchit is staring directly at Scrooge, but Crutchit doesn't know he's there. Yeah, and his eyes are just filled with just such pain and sadness and he's looking direct directly at scrooge as if you helped do this you let this happen mm-hmm. which really hits home and is really powerful uh, as well as everything about like um scrooge on on his own grave it's just yeah that was, a, it was i like terrifying and it's because it's crazy because yeah. he's in his own grave and then realize like and then he's first he sees that no one's there to like no one, you know, any like nobody's there that actually cared about him because he has nobody, and and the ghost of Christmas uh, future is just cre- like, it's a this, that one. Replay. That one I think is a lot more accurate to the book because like in the book he only appears as shadows. He never yeah. like he never like shows up as like a grim reaper looking character, which is how he's portrayed in a lot of adaptations. And so what, how he's portrayed in the Patrick Stewart one, if I remember correctly, yeah. What, and the one bit I thought was really fascinating is that he um, he never speaks. The ghost of Christmas yet to come does not speak. Mm-hmm. And like as a kid, I never really put it together. My dad pulled me aside. I was like, you know what that means, right? No. He goes, the future cannot tell you. It can only show you. Oh, I was like, deep words from Damn. Woo. Max dad. Oh, damn. Shout out to you. Shout out to him. So, I feel like I should get that embroidered on something. <laughs> That's like heavy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that was pretty fantastic. And um, so it, again, it's it's got good things and bad things. It's not really that that much, that easy to remember. It's nowhere near as good as the other ones. But Jim Carrey is wonderful as always. Oh yeah. Um, his whole the whole redemption sequences are very well done and. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a, a there's also a beautiful rendition of Hark the Herald Angels Sing sung by um, Italian tenor Andrea Bocelli that that's beautiful. So 
So I would say just if you're interested in this adaptation, it's close to the book. There's elements to the book that they don't touch on as heavily. But the thing with a lot of these adaptations, it's it's hard to get this at ad- like the the book to stray from the book because it's such a simple story. Like you can sum it up in like a sentence like man is visited by three ghosts to redeem himself before Christmas. Rich people have to be scared <laughs> to be nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's, it's that's what it's we need to do to Ajit Pay. It's hard to really fuck this one up. <laughs> and there are a lot of differences between the adaptations, like how they choose to like what depth they choose to give to the um, characters. But I feel like a big part of what drives a good adaptation tends to be who plays Scrooge. Yeah. Like that, like also visuals play a huge part in it. If it looks shitty, it's going to be like, it's probably going to be shitty, but for the most part, it tends to what I found is like if you have a strong, like leading actor as Scrooge, it's like you're more drawn to it because he's like that character has to go through like a comp- like a change throughout the story. He has to be redeemed, and if the leading actor doesn't portray that in, like strongly, then the movie there's a lot of weight that falls on that character's shoulders, especially yes. for this story to work. Absolutely. So, and I think Jim Carrey did a pretty good job. So yeah. it's. It's not a bad adaptation. No, I wouldn't rank it as the best, but it's, it's definitely it's definitely a good one. It's definitely a good one. It's it's a good one to start with. Yeah. So, the next one that we're gonna talk about is the uh, A Christmas Carol of nineteen ninety nine. This one starred Patrick Stewart, and it was it was set up rather in an interesting way. This one was set up um, purposely um, right at it was filmed shortly after. Patrick Stewart had done uh, three months on Broadway as Ebenezer Scrooge. And it's what makes this one interesting to me is that this is one of the very few adaptations I've seen that is very much has everything that was from the book in the movie. It was really dark. I watched this as a kid and it like the scenes with the ghost uh, yet to come like scared me i was first off i was a child that wasn't exposed to a lot of like film spoops or films to begin with so seeing this adaptation i was just like well now christmas is scary like (laughs) well it is in germany this, (laughs) this is but i just remember um the scenes that stuck with me visually were like just what i can remember it was just it was dark and Watching it again, it like it isn't as dark as I thought it was, but it's still dark. Definitely, definitely. Which in the book you get, it is the stuff that happens, like this uh, Ebenezer's childhood. That's dark shit. Uh, he's he was an unhappy, like unhappy child with a not the best like life, and then basically these ghosts are scaring him to become a better person. So to do that, they have to freaking scare him so with greed and want is these shriveled like starving kids and then um just the ghosts yet to come dark shadows that are like pointing to him to look at this this direction it's yep it's kind of scary shit it's a ghost story yep and Um, this in this adaptation 
it really comes across as a ghost story. Absolutely. With a tad of, like, Christmas sprinkled in. <laughs> like. <laughs> yep. And so now we're going into um, the Muppet Christmas. Well, first, like, let's just shout out to Patrick Stewart for being awesome oh, as Scrooge. Yes. yes. Honestly. Little side note, he did a one-man show of this, and it's like, I was going to, when I was um, went to look for, like, an audiobook or, like, the book, I was kind of just looking around at different versions that he on Audible, they had him reading his one-man show. <laughs> oh. And it was like an hour uh, like an hour long, whereas the book is about like two hours or so to listen to. Yeah. But he plays like all the characters. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, he does a fantastic job. It's Patrick Stewart, of course. Yes. I, I'm a fan of this adaptation. I thought, I thought it was pretty great. Without a doubt, it's definitely um, – I'm probably going to rewatch it when I get home – but one thing I really liked about this adaptation is something that, that's not really done very often in the um, adaptations. And I, I'm not sure. I think I touched on this already, but I want to make sure. Um, you see there's a bit when the Ghost of Christmas yet uh, Ghost of Christmas present um, shows him people celebrating Christmas all around. And it's not just like the fancy houses and stuff. It's it's they, they go down to a mine like underground mm. and. There's a little hut, and in the hut, there's, like, a whole family there, and the oldest member of the family is, like, starting to sing a Christmas carol. And they're all, like, having such a good time, even though they're they're under some of the worst conditions that anyone could be under. And then there's, like, he goes to go to a prison. They go to a um, an island. They go they go all over the place. And it's, it's really a fascinating way to show that there, show there's more to it than they thought there was. Um... This is one of the only adaptations I've known where they actually have that bit in it, and that, like, almost makes it just the most faithful adaptation I think ever made. Going along those lines, like, this is one of the adaptations that start off with Marley's death, like, with the funeral. Yes. Right. In a lot of adaptations, they start, like, several years after. Whereas in the book, it starts, like, when um, Scrooge is actually talking to The Undertaker. Yes. Um, and in this adaptation, um, it opens with Jacob Marley's funeral procession. So in that way, this book, this adaptation is really faithful to the book. Like they start off basically the same. <laughs> um, yeah, any, I think that was like, the, um, it's interesting that this was a television film. Yeah. Like, I think it's pretty gory. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm done nerding out about it. Okay, <laughs> we'll move on That's to the fine. Muppet Christmas Carol. So the Muppet Christmas Carol um, starts Michael Caine as Scrooge, and it's very interesting in that um, this is one of the very f- this is one of the very few Muppet films that are very it's very serious in a way. Um, like if you know the Muppets, you know that like if they did this on the TV show, they'd have like it so it's the their characters. Um, personalities would get in the way of the per- of the performance, and it would be kind of like it'd be funny, but it it wouldn't be really an th- adaptation. Mm-hmm. But in this one, it's taken very seriously. The great Gonzo is uh, Charles Dickens um, narrating the whole thing, and they make it so. Oh God, what was the name of the the two old men in the Muppets? Oh my lord, uh, something and something. I feel terrible. Yeah. I've, see, I'm. Well, they become Marley and Marley. The so, thing is, like, I never really grew up with the Muppets, so I have yeah. a hard time remembering their names. 
Yeah, I know so, who you're talking about. Yeah. I just don't remember their names right now. I can visualize it. I just can't. And so there's yeah. Ugh. So there's great music in this one. Um, and the Marley show up with the song "We're Marley and Marley." <laughs> it's really, it's really, it's really funny. Um, there's, oh gosh, Kermit the Frog is Bob Cratchit. Apparently, like I remember reading when kind of looking up this one, this was like the first Muppet film where Kermit the Frog wasn't the main character. Yeah, which I thought was interesting because like he's. He's the big main, the yep. OG Muppet. The OG frog. <laughs> the OG Muppet. Miss <laughs> um, Piggy is Miss Cratchit. Mm-hmm. Um, Rizzo the Rat is is basically himself uh, <laughs> hanging out with Gonzo. Um, it's there. There's some newer characters, but like, it's really kind of a. It's really a. a the music is what really sells this one, I think, mm-hmm. and it definitely comes off as. You know, who thought Michael Caine can sing? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. But. Tangerine. Just six. Tangerine. <laughs> Boy, I'm bugging a tangerine for ya. I, I do a terrible Michael Caine. Graham um, knows. It was interesting um, when I was, like, reading up about this. Apparently, he told Brian Henson, the director, that he wanted to play this movie like he was working uh, with the Royal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> yeah. And he was going to play Scrooge as if it this is an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me. And Hanson was all on board. And I feel like that's it helps because his him just playing the character straight just... Yeah. It, it, it adds to how, like, delightful this uh, adaptation is. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. There's um, the well. I, there was a good, interesting to touch about the Ghost of Christmas Present, um, where his character is at times he'll repeat lines he already said, or he'll start singing a song he's already sung, and the idea being that the Ghost of Christmas Present is so caught up in the present that he forgets the past. Ah, and I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that makes sense. What you did there. <laughs> For those listening, Mac just dabbed, and I will stab him later. I'm just joking. I won't stab him. No, oh, she'll stab me. I have one. I have, I have a mark from the other day when I, I dabbed. But yes, Mac, stay with the trends. Dabbing is out. That's what they said about Harambe. But anyway, so Harambe is dead. He's not he's out. He's dead. <laughs> okay, we're Back having to too we're having too much fun here. I don't know, like something about a Christmas ghost story just like is so exciting. It is, and and like what, lo- reading all about this, I'm just like, oh, this is such an awesome combination. So, uh, cheers to Charles Dickens, bro, you did it. Absolutely, and what's interesting is, uh, like I guess, um, of all of them, we kind of dipped into it. Though the one that's closer to the original story is the TV version with Patrick Stewart. Mm. Um, overall, I would say that um, like like we've we've been talking about, there's there's so many different versions. It's just crazy how many adaptations there's. There's like stage musicals. There's theater. Like as a matter of fact, right now, audio books, um, <laughs> radio, like shows. It's nuts it's and crazy. Um, oh, and uh, so you were gonna. I think you're I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop it. I'm not sure. Maybe the repertory theory will give us some credit if we do it. <laughs> um, right now, um, 
it, it's sort of a tradition in Milwaukee. Um, for the last uh, like 20 or 30 years, there has been a production of A Christmas Carol that has played at the Paps Theater every single um, November. I believe it's like from like November 18th through December 24th of like performances of A Christmas Carol. And um, there are, like many places, it's it's everywhere. Like my my mom, I think took me to a a, a production of Christmas Carol in Grafton when I was oh god ninety eight ninety nine something like that. But it's it's still it's still something that's like just great to see on so many different levels, from radio plays to plays themselves. But yeah, so Milwaukee Repertory Theater does a Christmas Carol every December and. As I understand, they're amazing. They get like some state-of-the-art special effects in. Um, I almost was going to go see it this year, but we we opted out because we've just been so busy. Uh, like, the question that I have is, would you consider it a true adaptation or not? Probably not, even though it still focuses on a lot of the same themes. But it's an interesting... Why I'm bringing it up is because it's an interesting take on a story that's literally been told thousands and thousands and thousands of times. <laughs> I would say it's very, it's interesting in that um, it come, come, kind of comes off as porn for people who love Christmas Carol. There are so many moments where like there's realizations where like, so fanfic, it's fanfic. It's kind of like fan fiction, but in the best way. Um, Dan Stevens plays uh, Charles Dickens. Uh, Christopher Plummer plays, Scrooge, and he's great as Scrooge. Um, I'm, I keep wondering why hasn't he done like a Scrooge performance that we could see? It's just a, it's just an amazing performance. Um, what I do like is it shows him doing the, res- the, the his him doing research. Um, among the things, one of the reasons he got started with the Christmas Carol was for one, he needed the money. <laughs> also. His uh, one of his maids would tell stories to the children at night. Mm-hmm. Um, she was I- she was from Ireland, and in Ireland they have stories of like spirits who come out on New Year's Eve or near Christmas Eve, something like that, um, and they like walk the earth for the night, kind of a thing. And I think it's a fascinating, it, it's fascinating in how it shows all all the things that went into writing the book, be it them talking to the the illustrator. Um, him talking about the, um, like, just how much time he had. And then they give you the little bits of information about how the book sold out by Christmas Eve. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's an interesting kind of behind-the-scenes look at, yes. to the story. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fun little movie. I would definitely <laughs> recommend it if you love, if you love the stuff. So. Yeah. But... so, I think we've pretty much... Hit we pretty much hit what we've hit what we've been looking for. Basically, yeah, it's just last few words are just it's a fun ghost story. Oh yes, but holiday themed, kind of just like how there's those weird movies out there that are not really holiday themed, like but all are like considered holiday movies, like yeah. Die Hard. <laughs> that movie's a classic. How dare you? I, I'm not. I'm not knocking Die Hard. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's never Christmas until I see Hans Gruber fall off Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> Spoilers, Mac. Spoilers. Oh, like, oh, like okay. Snape kills Dumbledore. Ah, uh, well, damn it, Jan, damn it. What if no one? What if they haven't seen Harry Potter or read it? 
I doubt that. Everyone knows <laughs> that one. Same with okay. it. Oh, just um, how everyone seems. It's interesting. Something that's interesting about this is just like how A Christmas Carol, like, Someone may not have read it or even watched that much of an adaptation, but everybody knows the story. It's so ingrained into our, like, pop culture. It's a cool thing to think about. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's basically all we have on A Christmas Carol. Check them out. Um, thanks uh, for listening, and until next time, this has been Time to Adapt. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.